all systems have been adverted to your presence, sir. Folky religions and ancient weapons are no match for a good blaster at your side, kid. Don't underestimate the force. By the way, ladies and gentlemen, as always, this stuff in lieu of actual entertainment. Alrighty then, hello and welcome back. This is Storytime and I am GamerDude. Glad to have you with us for some more stories this week. Today, as I'm sure you could tell from the title, we're focusing on one thing. Ah, yes, Star Wars. Longtime listeners of the podcast and anybody who's watched the stream knows that I'm a big Star Wars fan. But I'm a little bit of an atypical Star Wars fan, and here's why. I didn't watch the animated series and never saw the Clone Wars, didn't read any of the books, haven't spent a lot of time delving into all of the mysteries of the backstory of all the characters and the history of the Jedi. My Star Wars fandom is pretty much confined exclusively to the movies. Now, I've done a lot of thinking about the movies, and I've done a lot of character analysis of the various storylines and characters involved in the storylines, and I've shared some opinions in online forums over the years. So I do have feelings and thoughts and opinions about the Star Wars universe, but I don't consider myself a rabid fanboy. I enjoy it, and I certainly don't begrudge anybody who wants to be a rabid fanboy or a rabid fangirl. You love what you love, and I can totally get behind anybody who just loves Star Wars. There's so much there. There's so much depth. There's such great stories in the Star Wars universe. And so, yeah, love it. Dig into it. Live it. I have no problem with that. What I do have a little bit of a problem with is people who misinterpret Star Wars and believe the characters are certain ways when they're really the exact opposite. And by that, I mean some of the views of Luke Skywalker. And I'm jumping to the end here because that's what I'm going to close with. Just a little discussion about Luke Skywalker because he seems to be one of the focal points of the criticisms of the second-to-last movie, The Last Jedi. I have problems with the movie The Last Jedi. It has nothing to do with the development of Luke or how Luke's story finishes in that movie. Although, as we know, it's not really finished. But the way it's depicted in that movie, there's definitely some finality to his story. But I don't want to jump to that yet. We'll get to that at the end of the episode. What I want to start with, though, is the history of the movies. The main, right now, eight movies, soon to be nine movies. And I'm going to talk about them from the perspective of someone who was there from the beginning. And by that I mean I saw the original Star Wars when it was called Nothing But Star Wars. It wasn't called Episode Four: A New Hope. It was called Star Wars. And I'm going to talk about that movie and all the others that followed from that perspective. Now, I know a lot of folks, especially folks born in the 1990s and the 2000s, folks who saw the prequels 1, 2, and 3 before the original trilogy. So they have a different view and they have a different mindset. And like everything, we bring our own frames of reference to whatever it is that we're talking about, and that includes Star Wars. So my frame of reference is somebody who was there from the beginning. So in 1977, this cool science fiction movie was released called Star Wars. Now it's called Episode 4, A New Hope. But when we saw it when it first came out, this was the only one there was. We didn't think or even consider the possibility that there would be another episode. And back in those days, sequels were not a guarantee. A successful movie didn't automatically mean that there would be a sequel on the horizon. 
Conversely, even unsuccessful movies, by box office standards, still got sequels. And just as an example, Disney put out a bunch of Apple Dumpling Gang movies. For those who didn't grow up in the 60s and the 70s and the 80s, Disney was the only company that put out family movies, and they would just keep churning out family-friendly movies with the same title and the same people in them just to get people to the theaters. Because don't forget, there were no DVDs, there were no VCRs, there was no cable TV, there was no Disney Channel. So Disney would put their family-friendly entertainment in the theaters, and people would go. Whatever the title was, people would go. The Apple Dumpling Gang. The Apple Dumpling Gang rides again. So you'd get sequels to quiet little family movies... And you didn't necessarily expect a sequel to something that became a blockbuster. That didn't happen until, well, really, Star Wars. And here's how you can tell that Star Wars didn't anticipate a sequel. If you watch the original version of Star Wars, the original theatrical release, which, by the way, is very hard to come by. If you can find it, grab it, because it's worth it. I happen to have a copy of that first version that was released in theaters. You know, before George Lucas tinkered with it. Not once, not twice, but I think three times. But if you look at that original version, it's a self-contained story. It has a beginning, it has a middle, and it has an end. And the end of A New Hope is a closed story end. There's no need for any additional storytelling. Sure, there could be, as we found out, but that was a closed story. Because when Lucas wrote that screenplay, he didn't anticipate a sequel. When he started working on the first movie, and I can give you sources if you want them, but I've read about this over the years. I grew up with this, so I lived it as it developed in the late 70s, the early 80s, the mid 80s. I was there as all this stuff was happening, so I remember it. But Lucas had a very low budget and very limited expectations for this movie. And only after it became successful did the idea of the trilogies, and I say trilogies because he anticipated three, Only then did that idea come to fruition in his mind. He didn't start thinking about the trilogies until the release of The Empire Strikes Back in 1980. And at that time, there was talk of three trilogies. Now, it wasn't clear exactly what those stories would be in 1980. But it was 1980 that he renamed Star Wars as Episode IV, A New Hope. And it wasn't until 1980 that we had this hint that there were going to be more movies after Empire. Now, it was in the late 70s that we heard talk about this sequel to Star Wars. And again, before the days of the internet, before DVDs, before VCRs, before cable TV, all we had were newspaper clippings, radio interviews, magazine articles, all talking about what the vision was for the Star Wars world. You didn't have this instant information that you would get. You would get these little snippets of information that would come out in a weekly magazine or a monthly magazine, and so you had to track stuff very differently then. So The Empire Strikes Back came out in 1980, and we were anticipating it so eagerly. And this is in the days when you couldn't buy movie tickets in advance, so if you wanted to get to one of the first showings, you had to camp out at the movie theater, wait in line at the box office, and buy tickets the day that the film released. There was no advance purchase. There was no going on the internet and buying a ticket a month in advance. If you wanted to get to the theater on the first day that it showed, you went to the theater and you sat there. You know how people camp out for Black Friday specials that day after Thanksgiving? That's how people bought movie tickets. That's how people bought concert tickets. And it was no different for The Empire Strikes Back. And I remember waiting in line to get those tickets. Several friends and I camped out all afternoon so that we could get into a late afternoon showing of The Empire Strikes Back. And it was so worth it. And then the twist ending, spoiler alert, Darth Vader reveals that he's Luke's father. I know, shocking, right? But that blew our minds, man. 
There was no such thing as spoilers in 1980. Nobody knew that. That came out of the blue. And for literally years after that, there was a lot of debate about whether Darth was being honest or if he was being manipulative. Me, personally, I thought he was being manipulative. I didn't think there was any possible way he was Luke's father. Turns out I was wrong. But my initial reaction was, that's just something that a Dark Lord would do. There's no possible way. My reaction was much like Luke's. No! <laughs> that's, that's how I reacted when I heard that. It's like, no way! Can't possibly be the case. But yeah, we would discuss that and argue that for quite a while. Until 1983, when The Return of the Jedi came out. And once again, we camped out for that one too, because we had to. We had to be the first to see whether Darth was really Luke's father. And that movie was labeled episode six, so we knew, okay, we've got six. So we figured there's going to be a part one, two, and three, and then a part seven, eight, and nine. That's what we anticipated in 1983. And we could do math, so we had Star Wars in 77, we had Empire in 80, we had Return of the Jedi in 83. So we figured 86, 87, we'll get the next one. Well, that didn't happen. 88, 89, 90... 1991 rolls around, no new Star Wars movies. Where the hell's our Star Wars? We're all growing up now, getting older, getting married, having kids. Still no new Star Wars. 92, 93, 94. What the hell? Where's our Star Wars? We finally caught wind of the first prequel in the mid-1990s. There was a re-release of the original trilogy, meaning parts 4, 5, and 6, with the Lucas edits that he said cleaned things up, including his Greedo shot first, which isn't the truth. We all know Han shot first. And that's perfectly appropriate for Han's character. But finally, 1999 rolls around and we get The Phantom Menace. Now, I know people love The Phantom Menace, Attack of the Clones, Revenge of the Sith. People love them. There's a certain group of us, us original, older fans, who don't love them. And here's why. Number one, it took 16 years for the first of the second trilogy to get done. And we anticipated some great storytelling, some great backstory, some really good character development... And yeah, we got young Obi-Wan. That was cool. And Ewan McGregor, awesome. And we got Qui-Gon Jinn. Good Lord, Liam Neeson was an awesome Jedi. But we get a movie about trade wars and politics and we get Gungans. I know, I have a dim view of Gungans and I know that I'm in the minority. A lot of people love the Gungans. I'm sorry, but I don't like the Gungans and I don't like Jar Jar Binks. And nothing will ever change my mind on that. Just like everything that I'm talking about today, this is a lot of opinion. These are my opinions, but I'm giving you my perspective. And my perspective on the Gungans is waste of time. Couldn't care less about the Gungans. Misa, so sorry. So after the action and the emotion and the compelling storytelling of the first trilogy, we get the Phantom Menace, which gives us, yeah, Qui-Gon and yeah, Obi-Wan, but it gives us a young Anakin who can't act we get some weird little characters. We get it was, it was just like so disappointing to someone who loved the original trilogy so much. So from my perspective, you've got three great movies, a 16-year gap, and then a meh prequel. It was very disappointing. I didn't hate it, hate it, but unlike the original trilogy where I went back to the theater to watch them over and over and over and over and over again. I can't tell you how many times I went to see Star Wars in the theater because I lost track of the number of times. I saw Phantom Menace in the theaters one time. So three years goes by, 2002 rolls around, we get Attack of the Clones. I went to that with open eyes, open heart, open mind. I really wanted to love it. 
And so what have we done? We've replaced young Anakin, a kid who couldn't act, with teenage Anakin, a teenager who couldn't act. Good Lord, he was bad. Hayden Christensen was not good. Again, my opinion, I'm sure some people love him, but yeah, I could not wrap my heart or mind or eyes or thought process around Hayden Christensen as Anakin Skywalker. It didn't work for me. Just like Phantom Menace, Attack of the Clones was another, saw it once in the theaters, that's all I need. And the same with The Revenge of the Sith. We waited till 2005 for that one to come out. My hopes were pretty much dashed by that time that we'd have anything that was even close to the original trilogy. And I was right. From my view, it was a lesser version of the Star Wars universe. So I was really disappointed in 2005 when the last one came out. It was just like, hmm, meh. Now here's the thing about the prequels. Up through the early 1980s, George Lucas had always talked about a trilogy of trilogies. So we were expecting nine movies. When he started working on the prequels, Lucas changed his tune and said he was only going to do six. He was only going to do the prequels to lead into the trilogy that existed. He changed his story. You can look it up, but he did change his story. There was originally a trilogy of trilogies. He changed that to just two trilogies. The third trilogy didn't come back into existence until Disney purchased Lucasfilms in 2012. Now, that purchase was met with mixed reaction. I was happy about it because at least we had the prospect of having that final trilogy of the Skywalker saga. I never thought of it as the Skywalker saga. That's something that's relatively recent. I just thought of it as the Star Wars saga. It's become a Skywalker story. But all I was ever interested in was give me the nine movies that we were supposed to get back in 1980. So when Disney came along in 2012 and promised us the last three, I was all on board. Now, Force Awakens was a good movie. Came out in 2015. This was a short little break, only 10 years from the last Star Wars movie. Okay, maybe 32 years removed from the last original trilogy movie, but still not too bad a break. And yes, The Force Awakens hits all of the notes of the original Star Wars. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to pretend that's not the case. It's basically the same movie with a different skin. Yeah, there's some nice twists in it. And yeah, we face the death of Han Solo, which, by the way was supposed to happen at the end of Return of the Jedi. Yes, I've dug a little deep into this stuff, but this is the stuff that I grew up with. Gary Kurtz was working on the screenplay with George Lucas of The Return of the Jedi, and he had a vision for kind of a bittersweet ending. Amongst the things that he envisioned, Leia was queen but struggling with being queen, Han Solo is dead, and Luke Skywalker goes off into the sunset by himself. Kind of like a classic Clint Eastwood feel, like in some of his old westerns, Luke was going to fly off into the sunset. But George Lucas didn't like that. I suspect by this time George Lucas recognized the marketing value of keeping his characters alive and having happy endings. So Kurtz was out, and Lucas finished the screenplay for Return of the Jedi. But yeah, Han Solo was supposed to be dead, at least in some of the original versions. So they waited till The Force Awakens to kill him off. Oh, spoiler alert, did I forget to say that? So we go from The Force Awakens to The Last Jedi, which came out in 2017. A lot of people hate on The Last Jedi. I didn't have a problem with the concept of the movie. I get it. I'll tell you what my concerns are in just a minute. Because we now have The Rise of Skywalker coming up this year. I'm recording this before the release of The Rise of Skywalker, but I thought this was a good time to talk about it and all of the movies. I'm looking forward to The Rise of Skywalker. I want to see how they bring this trilogy to a conclusion. I want to see what they do with it. So I'm looking forward to it. I will admit I am suffering from a little Star Wars fatigue because not only have we had The Force Awakens, 
and The Last Jedi, but we've also had Rogue One, we've had Solo, we've had like a Star Wars movie every year for the past four years. And this is the corporate mentality run amok. They keep eating it, let's keep shoveling it in their mouths. I mean, every two years is kind of a tight schedule for movie sequels. Giving us something in that universe every year, especially unnecessary movies like Solo, which by the way is an unnecessary movie, we didn't need it, but you're just going to cause the people to overdose on Star Wars and just get sick of it, which is exactly what happened. If you haven't kept track, there's been an announcement that Star Wars movies are on hiatus for a while. Gee, I wonder why. I did mention Rogue One, by the way. I'm not dwelling on that because it's a separate Star Wars story, but I loved Rogue One. I thought it was one of the best Star Wars movies ever. It's like in my top three Star Wars movies. But that's not part of the discussions today. But I wanted to give you that background so that you'd understand where I come from when I talk about Star Wars. Now, my Star Wars love is confined to the movies, as I said. But even within the universe of the movies, I have some problems with The Last Jedi. I hated the fact that Admiral Akbar had an inconspicuous death off-screen. That really bothered me, because Akbar is such a huge focus in Return of the Jedi. I mean, the iconic, it's a trap! No one else could pull that off but Admiral Akbar. And if he's going to be doing something that's going to get him killed in the Star Wars universe, shouldn't we at least get to see it? I mean, the dude is an iconic Star Wars character. Give him 10 seconds on screen. I had issues with Leia's force powers. Not that she wouldn't have force powers, but you're just going to spring them on us? I didn't like that. Of all of the things you could take time to develop, that might be one of the important ones to develop. And I had problems with that whole mission to the casino BS. I mean, that was completely unnecessary. I didn't object to the characters. I loved having the characters having to do something. But when you have main characters doing something in a movie or a book, you'd like that something to ultimately result in something. Having people wander around for a third of the movie and wind up accomplishing exactly nothing seems like a pretty big waste of time and a huge missed opportunity. But that's just the storyteller in me. The other thing that I have a little bit of an issue with is the fact that basically Luke is killed off at the end of The Last Jedi. Now, because he's a Jedi and because of the fact that we know Force ghosts exist, we're pretty much guaranteed that Luke is going to be a Force ghost in The Rise of Skywalker. And we know Force ghosts like Obi-Wan, for instance, can have influence beyond the death of their mortal body. So I don't really have a problem with that. And when you think about it, Luke's arc, Luke's story arc, is kind of like Obi-Wan's story arc. Because don't forget, if you're going to consider the two story arcs, Obi-Wan was an apprentice to Qui-Gon Jinn, became a powerful Jedi himself, was a really respected member of the Jedi Council, trained Padawans, and took Luke under his wing. But there was a period of time where Obi-Wan left. He just disappeared. He didn't use the Force. He wasn't a Jedi. He was just Ben Kenobi, living in a desert for how many years? And Luke comes along and revives his faith in the Force and the possibility of the Jedi. Same thing happened with Luke. Rey comes along after the debacle with Ben Solo. And Luke distances himself from the galaxy and from the Force and goes into seclusion. That's exactly what Obi-Wan did. So Obi-Wan and Luke... Very similar backstories, very similar story arcs. And Obi-Wan sacrifices himself in A New Hope in order for Luke and Leia and Han to get away and continue the rebellion. 
Luke sacrifices himself at the end of The Last Jedi so that the rebellion can continue, so that everyone can escape. I mean, there's really strong parallels there if you look at it. So I don't really have a problem with that whole part of the story arc. It actually makes good sense, especially in the Star Wars universe. What I do have a problem with is those who think the Luke character is not true to the original character. There's this whole mindset that Luke was some badass warrior, and they turned him into a wimp. They turned him into somebody he's not. I totally disagree with that, because to have that mindset, you don't understand A, what the Jedi are about, and B, what Luke was about. Now, this is my opinion. It's not only my opinion. A lot of people have shared similar opinions. I'm just going to give you my version of an opinion that's out there, which I believe contradicts the fanboys who believe, You've wimped out on Luke. He was such a badass before, and now he's not. He wasn't really a badass. Don't forget, the Jedi are more like monks, not like soldiers. They're pacifists. The Force is a peaceful power. You don't use anger and vengeance as part of the Force. It's a peaceful coexistence. As Yoda said, you use the Force for defense, never attack. The dark side leads you to use the Force for attack, not the light side. And that was one of the struggles that Luke had all throughout. If you look at all three of the first movies, by that I mean parts four, five, and six, he had this struggle. People will say, well, at the end of Return of the Jedi, Luke is a mighty warrior. He's using his great skills to defeat Darth Vader. And once he's established that he could defeat Darth Vader, he mercifully stands down and lets his vanquished foe survive. Yeah, that's not what happened. If you watch Return of the Jedi and really watch it, you can see that Luke is trying to avoid all fighting. He's trying to avoid succumbing to his anger. He's trying to follow the teachings of Yoda and follow the teachings of the light side. And the problem is when he gets his lightsaber, when he starts battling Vader, while he's being goaded on by the Emperor, he's giving in to the dark side. He's losing his soul. He's doing everything that Yoda told him not to do by having that epic battle with Vader. He's doing it out of anger. He's doing it out of vengeance. But if you look at the part where he has Vader down, if you look at the part where he has that moment of self-realization, Luke is having the realization that if he beats Vader this way, if he strikes him down this way, he's given in to his anger. He's given in to the dark side. It's a stronger move for Luke to throw his weapon away and say, I'm not going to give in to your bullshit, Emperor. Okay, maybe I'm not quoting from the movie directly there, but that's what he says. He's basically acknowledging that defeating someone out of anger, out of spite, at the goading of someone evil, is a weak move. That's what Luke acknowledges at the end of Return of the Jedi. He stands up and says, I am not giving into this. I am a Jedi. That's what he says. And what Luke realizes is that killing the bad guy is not what a Jedi would do. Think about that for a second. Luke fighting Vader at the end of Return of the Jedi is actually a weak move because he's giving in to the dark side. He's giving in to the goading of the Emperor. He's giving in to his anger. He's not using the Force for defense. He's using it for attack exactly what Yoda warned him against. It's not often that the hero is not supposed to fight the bad guy at the end, but that's what the message was at the end of Return of the Jedi. The message was, a Jedi wouldn't do this. A hero wouldn't do this. And that's why Luke Skywalker flipping his lightsaber away and saying, uh-uh, not gonna do it. 
is one of the most powerful moments to me in all of the Star Wars movies. That's the triumphant moment right there for Luke Skywalker. Now, take that mindset and carry that into The Last Jedi. We know that Luke wanted to kill Ben Solo because of what he feared. And he realized before he did it that once again he would be giving into his fear, giving into the dark side if he executed that move. If he did that, he was ready to do it and didn't. And that's the realization that sent Luke into exile for 30 plus years. He pulled his Ben Kenobi move when he realized that he was this close to giving into the dark side. It was the ultimate move of a true Jedi, someone who truly believed that the light side didn't lead with anger, didn't lead with fear, but was grounded on the belief of peaceful coexistence and the power of good. That's why I don't have a problem with the story arc of Luke in The Last Jedi. Yes, absolutely, I would have liked to see Luke's mortal body, for lack of a better term, survive the movie. But I don't have a problem with the fact that he didn't because of this, because of what the Force is supposed to mean, because of what the light side is supposed to stand for. He made the ultimate sacrifice, understanding what the ramifications were, and totally consistent with the kind of person he'd become over the years. Quite honestly, Luke's story is probably the strongest in all of The Last Jedi, if you look at it from the proper perspective. But that's just my opinion. Yours may vary. That's the beautiful thing about opinions. Everybody's got one. As I said, these are just my opinions based on my view from my perspective of the Star Wars movies and of Luke. And as I said, I haven't gone past the movies. I've never seen The Clone Wars, either the movie or the animated series. I haven't read any of the books. I haven't seen any of the Ewok films. I did not watch the Star Wars Holiday Special in 1978, which Lucas banned from ever re-airing. Yes, I know there's a whole big universe of Star Wars stories, some of which is now canon and some of which is now not canon. I don't care about any of that. I loved the original trilogy. I acknowledge the existence of the prequel trilogy. And I really don't mind the trilogy that they're finishing up right now. I am looking forward to The Rise of Skywalker. I'd like to see what they do with it. But I will tell you, this will be the first Star Wars movie, at least of the trilogies, that I'm not going to be there for on day one. Every one of the movies since Empire Strikes Back, I've been there on opening day. Even the prequels, I did not miss opening day. This one, I'll get to it on opening weekend. That'll be good enough. I'm not too concerned about it. It's not going anywhere. And I'm looking forward to it. I'm just not sitting on the edge of my seat in anticipation of it. I'd like to see it. I want to see what they do with it. And I hope it's good. Aside from that, my expectations are relatively low. We'll see what happens. Anyway, that's going to do it for this episode of Storytime. Thank you for being here. Hope I didn't piss you off with too many salty opinions. Hope you enjoyed the opinions, even if you don't agree with them. Hey, it gives you something to think about, right? I really do appreciate you spending your time with me, taking the time to listen, and just taking the time to hang out. Until next time, you guys take care of yourselves. And I'll see you when I see you.